Okay. So people have actually been eating toppings on flatbread since ancient times. The actual word pizza dates back to texts from 997 AD, which is much longer than I thought it would be, uh, in (laughs) central and southern Italy. And for centuries, this simple meal of bread, meat, cheese, veggies, and any other toppings was consumed by the lower class. It was actually for the plebes. The Phoenicians, (laughs) the Greeks, and the Romans were some of the first to enjoy pizza. And although it was more of a flatbread at that time, the ancestors to the contemporary pizza. It was first documented in Latin text with subsequent references noted throughout the Mediterranean from Spain to Greece. It's interesting, too, because tomatoes were actually brought from the New World to Italy in the 16th century, but originally were thought to be poisonous and not really accepted until the 18th century. So the tomato is native to Western South America and Central America, And in 1519, Cortez discovered the tomatoes growing in Montezuma's gardens and brought seeds back to Europe where they were planted as ornamental curiosities, but not even eaten. Missing out. (laughs) So by the 16th century, modern day pizza from the Italian word pincere, which means to pound or stamp, which is, of course, a reference to that flat dough, began to take shape in the Italian city of Naples. I just love that they were like, this tomato is so weird looking. It's got to be poisonous. (laughs) They just grow them in their gardens because they look cute. Yeah. (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) The thriving port was home to throngs of working class residents who lived in dense neighborhoods. Small rooms and cramped quarters meant most of the living was done outside and people looked for food that was inexpensive and would be quick and easy to eat. The pizza was baked in hot ovens and sold street side. Gotta love a street food, you know. Paper-thin pizza became pretty quintessential fare for the Neapolitan poor. Tomatoes brought back from traders from the New World topped the dough along with the occasional smattering of maybe some anchovies, garlic, or cheese. I'm here for it, except for the anchovies. I think it'd be good. Salty. I feel like I, you gotta embrace it, you know? I just, <laughs> I don't know. That's what people say, but they it's just like a whole little fish <laughs> staring back at yeah. you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. the whole, like, in a can part. Not into seeing it in a can, but everything else, fine. Also, what's the difference between anchovies and sardines? Because I think maybe I'm also confusing them. Oh, shit, am I? Do they not even come in cans? I don't know. I think sardines are the one in cans, right? (laughs) But anchovies are in cans, too. I don't know. I just had a canned thing of fish the other day that was a fish and tomato sauce, so I think anything could be in a can. Yeah, it's not a pre-qualifier of anything. (laughs) No. Well, I'm going to have to try it when I go to Italy. I'm not going to, like, go and seek it out now, but in Italy, hells yeah. Yeah, when in Mm -hmm. Italy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Correct. So, Neapolitan pizzas. Romans would often eat a focaccia-like flatbread with toppings, and pizza napolitano grew out of that tradition in the 18th and 19th centuries. So, authentic Neapolitan dough is made from type zero or double zero flour which is or a combination of the two so these are usually milled to like a super fine texture and are high in protein and have a lower gluten content than all-purpose flour that you find in like the the typical american grocery store so the dough usually always uses fresh neapolitan or brewer's yeast and salt and water Hmm. i feel like i've never seen those types of flour but i've also never really looked for it so (laughs) i have wanted to get nicer flour for her bed bread baking and those have come up just because i've been like looking at places that mill flour or sell like fancy flour totally um 
so those have been on my list to to get for a while. We actually just saw a flyer for like some place that is not too far away from us in the suburbs, at least. That I was like, ooh, maybe I'll have to check it out. Fancy flower <laughs> shops that are yeah. <laughs> bread flower, not <laughs> plant flowers. <laughs> Unfamiliar. <laughs> I like them. I like them both. Both yeah. are my my kinds of places. <laughs> Literally, that is like both of your meccas. Uh huh. All right, back to it, though. The actual process of making and stretching the dough to its perfect thinness, which in for Neapolitan, true Neapolitan pizza would be like no more than three millimeters, which seems very thin. Uh, that has been passed mm. down through generations of pizzioli, a.k.a. pizza makers. <laughs> the dough is kneaded by hand. Word. Yeah, it's a good one. Pizzioli. Pizzioli. <laughs> The dough is kneaded by hand and then twirled. Love a good hand toss. Uh, today, neighborhood pizzerias feature theatrical displays of dough twirling. I feel like that's in every like movie you could ever think of with pizza as a focus. <laughs> uh, Truth. But yeah, it must be kneaded by hand and formed by hand without a rolling pin. So for the sauce, it's typically... San Marzano tomatoes, which is an heirloom variety of plum tomato that is described usually as sweeter and less acidic than other tomato varieties. So the other type of tomato that's used in genuine pizzas that are Neapolitan are Pomodoro Vesuviano, which is a grape tomato that, of course, grows near Mount Vesuvius. But of course, San Marzanos are easier to find. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Authentic Neapolitan pizza is made with thin slices of delectable fresh buffalo mozzarella, which is made from the milk of Mediterranean water buffalo, which who knew that? No (laughs) shredded cheese is used at all, and the curds are stretched and formed into balls and then sliced. I'm glad you said that, because when I read that, I was like, wow, that is from a water buffalo, and that just never clicked for me, and I don't know why. Is that like all buffalo mozzarella? Like, that's just the thing? Like, it's from a water buffalo? <laughs> yes. I, I I doubt the, like, maybe, like, Mediterranean-specific buffalo, but, yeah. like, yes, I think water buffalo. Wow. Wild. I don't, I don't know. And, like, buffalo blue cheese. I was like, why did I never, con- like, these are from a buffalo. I thought it would be, like, I don't know, a place. Like, it was a buffalo, buffalo New, New York, York or something. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think that it would be a completely different animal that would be milking for this. Yeah. I don't know why that did not click. Wild. Also didn't know so, there were Mediterranean water buffalo. I can't picture yes. them in that environment, but sure. Just grazing away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll put that on the list when we go visit. Yeah. (laughs) Straight from the teat. Um, (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) So part of the Neapolitan tradition of cooking the pizza is to do it in a brick oven that is ripping hot. Usually those temperatures are from like 8 to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's literally for minutes at the most. And the crust just transforms. It's otherworldly. It's chewy. It's still soft. There's magical things happening. Mm -hmm. So the next, the most popular, and one of my very favorite pizzas, is the margarita. If you are familiar with a Neapolitan pizza, I feel like you've probably had the margarita pizza. It's tomatoes, mozzarella, basil. Simple as heck. Delicious as fuck. And it's it's known as the classic now. Let's be real. So there's a couple different ideas of how this came to be. There's one that a baker, Rafael Esposito, is credited with it. And he supposedly created it 
to honor both Margarita of Savoy, the queen consort of Italy, and the recent unification of Italy. Hmm. So the basil, mozzarella, and tomatoes of pizza represent the red, white, and green colors of the Italian flag. Classic. (laughs) Or there's also another kind of theory that the word margarita translates to daisy, and some food historians note that these toppings were already being used at the time period, even like 50 years before. And there was a pizza that was basically decorated with the basil, tomatoes, and slices of mozzarella arranged in a flower shape. So, oh, so beautiful. Yes. Yes. Interesting. I hope both are true. I don't know. That, but those are both great stories. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so another lovely kind of pizza. We've got Sicilian. So the original authentic ver- version is obviously coming from Sicily, from, most specifically from Palermo, and is known as... Sfincione, baby. Sfincione. 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 A.K.A. Uh Thick sponge (laughs) in Italian. I just had to say it three times and then you get it. But Sicilian is a thick crust rectangular pizza that is similar to a focaccia bread. And the thick spongy crust distinguishes this kind of pizza from a lot of other varieties. It's usually topped with a meatless sauce made from tomatoes, onions, herbs, anchovies again which is covered with breadcrumbs and an additional or optional grating of hard cheese. So this mixture of flour, water, yeast, and olive oil is left to rise and then pressed into like a well-oiled square baking pan. The crust is then topped with a sauce made from onions that are sautéed in olive oil, chopped anchovies, tomatoes, and spices like oregano and crushed red pepper, which I feel like that would definitely give it like a good richness or flavor. The anchovies have got to be necessary. There's a reason they're there. The saltiness, I think you're right. I think it would add good flavors. I think, especially if it was more chopped too, I'm more into it. Yeah, they're going to get like cooked in there. It's barely going to be noticeable. Yeah. I'm going to try it one of these days. The (laughs) sauce is covered with breadcrumbs and then grated cacciocavallo cheese and then baked in a hot oven. The spongy dough soaks up all the olive oil on the bottom of the pan and creates this like crispy charred bottom while the middle remains this like soft and spongy deliciousness. Mm. So these are actually said to have influenced pan pizza, which also includes the spinoffs of deep dish Chicago style pizza and Detroit style pizza. So yeah, I never realized that like breadcrumbs was such a staple of Sicilian. I have to like, I don't know, keep that in mind the next time I have one because I don't think I've uh-huh. noticed that. Or maybe that's just I like American I... Sicilian pizza is not really doing that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly had to look at some pictures of it because I was like, hmm, I don't know if I've like had that necessarily, especially with like the grating of like the hard cheese. It's mm-hmm. just like a, it looks mostly like breadcrumbs, yeah. quite frankly, because the cheese is not like a gooey mess like you're used to. So I am definitely going to seek this out or create my own just for funsies. For sure. So for the Greeks, there is honestly more of like a modern iteration that was closer to a focaccia. Um, Greek style pizza. The original. Actually, I researched this because I was like, I don't understand why they didn't talk about old school Greek pizza. And like the original form was really just a focaccia. Like they didn't really (laughs) put sauce on it. So I like I, I think that's kind of like not really celebrated as like one of the like modern pizza things. And then we kind of like took a, a different direction in today's world because the Greeks were like, we do have a pizza. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, left turn. Yeah, left <sighs> turn. It's not just focaccia over here. We, we did that before, but now we got this guy. <laughs> 
But yeah, Greek-style pizza was developed by some of the Greek immigrant communities of America. The preparation of the dough and the difference in the type of tomato sauce used and the excessive use of olive oil are pretty much the common trademarks of a Greek pizza. So it's usually they're cooked in an electric oven or brick oven in a shallow pizza dish that has been liberally oiled with olive oil to prevent it from sticking to the pan. And the crust is kind of different, too. It tends to be like thicker and more doughy than Italian pizzas, typically. The tomato sauce used for Greek-style pizza is noticeably thinner. That's because of the addition of all of that olive oil and sometimes even some water. These ingredients are added to thin the sauce out a little bit. Often, it's left to simmer throughout the day on a stovetop before it's used on the pizza as well. This allows the flavors to really caramelize around the edges, and the flavor of that then becomes infused into the tasty tomato sauce, and it you also can like often incorporate that into a tomato paste. When I read this, too, and I was doing my research, I remember on Alki Beach in Seattle, there was specifically like a Greek pizza spot. And they had very unique pizza. And when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot more sense <laughs> as to like what their crust and dough was like. I wish I could like try it again, too, for like the sauce factor, because I don't really remember the sauce. But I do think it's super interesting where they like cook it down and caramelize and, and do those kind of things. So, yeah, I can't even think if I've had like a Greek specific Greeks pizza. I don't know. That doesn't come to yeah. mind. <laughs> I honestly, if I had not been to that spot, I mean, like I've had ones that are like, the toppings are more of a Greek-inspired yeah. vibe. But this place was, like, just doing, like, a lot of different types of pizza that was also in, like, the Greek style. So interesting. seek it out. It's there. So the dough is usually prepared without kneading also, which is interesting. And they proof it overnight. So there's also a touch of sweetness to the dough because the addition of sugar. And in restaurants that aren't Greek-owned, Greek-style pizza actually usually refers to, like, regular Italian pizza that has traditional Greek ingredients, like I said, sort of like olives or feta, <laughs> you know, those, like, things that kind of stand out as the obvious. Um, but it was supposedly invented by Kostas, so, a guy named Kostas, <laughs> and uh, another guy that we were going to call Charlie. And they were Greeks from Albania, and they had a restaurant that was uh, in Connecticut in the 50s, and they... Their system kind of consisted of like preparing a full day's supply of crusts in 10 inch pans in the morning rather than tossing and stretching the dough to order. Mm. So, in supposedly in Connecticut by the 1980s, 40% of pizzerias were operated by Greeks. Dang. I, for some reason, that know, like, like kind of makes sense. I feel like I don't know. <laughs> in a weird way, I could see it. <laughs> I love it. I was just like, hmm, that's a little small pocket. So Everyone's specific. Doing it. I didn't realize like Connecticut was such a mecca for like Greeks in general either, I feel like. so. Oh, 100%. What was that movie we watched with? Oh, my God. Julia Roberts. Oh, man. Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Were they Greek? Was I even Greek they, in that? Or I, I don't know. So I can't I, recall. I it's a was weird movie. I feel, like it, <laughs> I feel like it was the the East Coast, though, too. So yes. maybe that's just why it made me think of it. It definitely I don't know. was. <laughs> that movie was great. <laughs> Solid pizza yeah. movie for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So now we got Roman pizza, supposedly created in the 1960s. Uh, two major factors contributed to its birth. One being the use of high-protein flour during World War II, which helped to form its crispy texture and the heat distribution from electric ovens, 
which would make it ideal for larger rectangular shaped pizzas. Uh, these pizzas are typically crispy, light, and airy, paper-thin crust made with olive oil. So one of the more unique traits of the pizza al taglio, which means by the cut, lies in the way it's cut at bakeries. Because these Roman pizzas are cut with a type of scissors, which is pretty cool, that are used to cut this pizza into square-shaped slices. So it helps to kind of maintain the structure of both the toppings and the crust. That sounds so time-consuming, though. You're cutting a pizza with scissors? <laughs> <laughs> Absurd. Sometimes that's... <laughs> I know. I was like trying to imagine if it could be faster. And I was like, why? I don't know. <laughs> I do get it though. Cause I do hate when I like cut a pizza when it's like still a little too hot maybe. And like uh, with the pizza mm-hmm. cutter, it just like runs all the toppings like off into the uh, oh, next 100%. slice or something. No good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus like with a thinner one, sometimes I could see it being kind of like easier for it not to like lose some of those toppings. Yeah. Again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're slippery. I got to see it done in real life. Agreed. Yeah. I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> As far as a serving method, in Naples, pizzerias typically serve one whole pizza per person, which is eaten with a knife and a fork. Very different than how we eat pizza in America. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. In Rome, pizza al taglio is often sold in bakeries where large rectangular pies with a variety of toppings can be found in a display case. You'll order your pizza by weight, and the baker will cut the pizza using these scissors and package it in a paper bag. Typically, they'll also offer like an array of toppings from pizza bianca, like white pizza, or even like potato pizza to sausage and pesto pizza. All of those sound like amazing options. I'm for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. One of each, please. Yeah, this is making me real hungry for some pizza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every time I've done research, I've been like doing it in the mornings, Ugh. and I've been craving pizza for straight up breakfast. Yeah. So. Mouthwatering. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, we are from the Chicagoland area, and pizza is a big effing deal, quite frankly. Hell so, yeah. um, there is Chicago style. We're going to talk about a lot of different styles now. <laughs> and when you say Chicago style, this honestly could mean a lot of could different things. Could mean anything. I think that Correct. is why Chicago pizza is, to me, like the ultimate pizza, because it's mm-hmm. not just one thing. Like, New Correct. York pizza, it's one thing. You're, I know exactly what I'm getting, and i honestly not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had better. Yeah, the beauty of Chicago is you could get New York-style pizza. You can get Detroit-style pizza. Like, I think Chicago yeah. is truly the pizza mecca, like, city, hands down. We really, really do love pizza. Yeah. It's, it's like, on another level here. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many pizza places there are in the city. I'd be fascinated to know. Oh. It's interesting, too, because, like, there's sort of this, like, quintessential restaurant when you think of, like, a Chicago pizza joint because it always has those, like, <laughs> dimly lit. The walls are usually covered in, like, local paraphernalia, like, pictures of Michael Jordan and, like, <laughs> pictures from Blues Brothers or, like, signed headshots yes. or whatever, like, the Blackhawks all, like, yeah, Chicago. <laughs> That's so true. Why is that a 100%. thing? 100%. It's, it's the thing. And, like, there's that red and white checkered tablecloth bullshit and, like, yeah, there's always like a long list of all the beers and handcrafted sodas and all this stuff. It's like a classic <laughs> vibe when yeah. you go into these spots. <laughs> so real. There's um, nothing like more neighborhoody and comforting, I think, than like your local pizza joint because it, it just mm-hmm. is that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, of course, if we're talking Chicago, you got to talk deep dish because everyone, I think, thinks that that's like Chicago style pizza when you say it because it's Mm -hmm. it's certainly unique to Chicago. Um, It's a cake like pan that is first coated in olive oil, then topped with a white and semolina flour dough mixture, which gets pressed against the deep pan's round bottom and edges. And then the olive oil slightly fries the dough during the baking process giving it a really distinct golden crunch which i think is like the best part about a deep dish pizza is the crust yeah the crust is so good (laughs) so before hitting the oven a layer of sliced mozzarella is usually covered with vegetables and meats toppings sausage is a pretty popular one i feel like especially with deep dish in particular and then there's usually a sweet layer of crushed tomatoes and it's different because obviously you're seeing a red top. There's sauce on top, which people are always kind of like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> amazed by. This is definitely like what the tourists come for Come for is the deep dish. So the inverted layers of ingredients prevent the cheese from burning, though. So the meat, vegetables, sauce, and like all the crust and stuff kind of marry together their flavors. Pizza is delivered hot and dense with the server using the traditional (laughs) pan gripper. So there's like a special thing. (laughs) Industrial strength tong meets wrench tool, basically. (laughs) And it's used exclusively to transport the scalding deep dish pizza pans. I mean, honestly, you need a tool because it's heavy and and it could be a catastrophe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> With a heavy spatula, pre-cut slices of the weighty pizza are going to be dis- dished out. Uh, intense layers of cheese. You're going to have wicked cheese pulls with this. Uh, tomato sauce fill the pie-like crust, inches high, brown to the edges. It's definitely like a knife and fork situation. Yeah. It's it's messy if you're not doing it that way, that's for sure. Like, for what? sure, yeah. That's a bizarre thought. I haven't even that. tried to do that in a long time. I don't know. <laughs> there are some that have, like, thicker sauces that don't, like, run as much. True. That I feel like you could maybe manage it, but, like, it's, it's easier to definitely do a fork. <laughs> yeah. So throughout the late 1800s and early 1900s, Neapolitan immigrants arrived in the U.S. And, of course, like many Europeans at the time, they were in search of jobs, often in factories. And before long, Chicago was home to like a thriving community of first and second generation descendants, all hungry for thin pizzas that represented their culture and culinary roots. And eventually, there was two guys, Ike Sewell and Rick Ricardo. They decided to create something different. They went and did an Italian-American version of pizza, and they opened Pizzeria Uno in 1943 on the near north side of Chicago, and they were serving a new-style pizza with a deeper dish, crunchier crust, and inverted layers that was a far cry from the classic Neapolitan version. Hmm. So was that technically the first one? Wild chef. Uh, I know it's really weird to think about because like modern pizza isn't really that old, you no, know. Like, yeah. It, even like, what do you think about the tomato being introduced to Europe and like that being the first time in the 16th? Like, they weren't even eating it in the 16th century; they just thought it was fun and to look at. <laughs> but by the 18th century, they're like, "Oh, tomatoes are legit." Yeah. So it's like wild that like it's really just not that old. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. A Chicago tradition tradition was pretty much born at this point. So. this more savory layer cake situation really achieved (laughs) these two guys dream to create a pizza unlike any other there's 
honestly a huge debate around the like true creators of it but you know when is there not with food mm-hmm. <laughs> a particularly muddled detail though does involve one of chicago's most famous pizza families the mal malnati's i've never called it just malnati's weird Aldolfo Rudy Malnati Sr., a one-time employee at Pizzeria Uno, claimed that it was his spark of genius that created the recipe. He, along with Ricardo, according to the Malnati family, would hand out slices of Pizzeria Uno's deep dish on Chicago street corners in the hopes that passersby would give it a taste. Sewell, the Malnati's claim, came much later, and records of either Sewell or Ricardo making the pizza or even showing any ability in the kitchen are pretty much absent. And so it may be substantiated claims that it was really the Malnati brothers holding it down. (laughs) So according to their storyline, after Ricardo's death, Rudy and his son, Lou, they co-managed Pizzeria Uno until Rudy Malnati Sr. also passed away. And then Lou struggled to find his place in the restaurant when he was just treated kind of like an employee, Hmm. like everybody else. He got frustrated, abandoned ship, opened his own restaurant, and Lou Malnati's Pizzeria was born in 1971 in the North Shore suburb of Lincolnwood. So their pizza is super famous, I feel like, as well, or popular. I feel like Pizzeria Uno, I don't even know if I've ever had. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't think I have either. So... With the pizza, it's noticeably less dense than Pizzeria Uno's, they say. It's a lighter hand of cheese and a tangier crushed tomatoes. Uh, the pizza is filled just below the crust's top edge, leaving more room for its trademark butter crust, which literally it is a butter crust. It is super rich. I do know this about Lou's. Their crust is pretty fucking good. Lou Malnati yeah. did have a half-brother, Rudy Jr., who opened his own joint, Pizanos, <laughs> in 1991 in downtown Chicago. A waiter at Pisano's divulged that Rudy and Lou's mother gave Rudy Jr. the original recipe developed by Rudy Sr. himself. So while Lou (laughs) went off to Lincolnwood, Donna Marie, the the mother, spent her nights in the kitchen rolling out dough from the secret recipe at Pisano's. Who is using the original recipe today is still a popular topic of debate. Pisano's is delicious, and their crust, ironically, totally reminds me of Lou's thin crust. Like, their Pisano's has really good thin crust. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've had their deep dish. I'm trying to remember. I'm sure I have. Again, like, Jesus Christ, how many pizzas have I had in my life? <laughs> right. But I totally see the, like, link there. Also, the fact that so many of these pizza families are, like, intertwined, and yeah. I didn't realize that history. Fascinating. Love it. <laughs> pizza empire, so, for sure. <laughs> I know, for real. So Gino's East is another super popular one. There's a famous location that's off of Michigan Avenue, which like maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Mm. But it opened in 1966. It's the second oldest deep dish spot in town after Pizzeria Uno. Um, the founders supposedly uh, hired the former Uno cook that was um, running the kitchen there back in the day, and they kind of had like an instant success with it. They have a cornmeal tinted crust and lashings of sweet and chunky marinara sauce, mm. oozing cheese, and heavy dashes of oregano. Nice. I've never been a huge mm-hmm. Gino's East fan, but they're solid. Yeah, they are. There's a location actually by us not that far away, but it's further than our local spot that we always go to, so we'll just probably never have it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. We're loyal to JB Alberto. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
What other kind of pizzas we got? We got the stuffed pizza. So deep dish pizzas have a crust that rises up the edges of the pan. But on the other hand, a stuffed pizza are even deeper than that and and have an additional layer of dough used for covering the stuffed pizza. So first there's a deep layer of dough that's spread out uh, to form the bowl of the pan, basically. And then toppings and cheese are added to that. There is usually some more stuffing to be added, of course. And then an additional layer of dough is added on top of that. And that's pressed onto the sides of the crust. And then you poke some holes in the top of that lid so their air and steam can be released during the cooking. Before baking a typical stuffed crust pizza, pizza makers normally add tomato sauce over the top crust. So it's kind of like a calzone yeah version with sauce on top it's like almost too much dough it seems like i was that's exactly what i was gonna say i was like that is way too much dough that's my one complaint with some like uh deep dish pizzas even like uh Mm -hmm. giordano's i think is the one i'm thinking of like i feel like their crust is really really thick and it's always just like too much dough to me Mm-hmm. Or like too much cheese, even I don't know. Whatever they're doing, the ratio is off. The ratio, <laughs> the ratio ain't right. <sighs> Another vital factor that differentiates stuffed pizza from its counterparts is the cheese. Stuffed pizzas are loaded with ounces of cheese. Deep dish pizzas, however, have more tomato sauce and less cheese in comparison. You know, I love cheese, so I'm like, maybe I would be into that because that does up my intrigue, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There's a fine line. I think you need the balance. I don't know. Yeah, there is. The perfect balance is is so important with any meal or flavor profile or, Mm -hmm. or taste or bite, so that probably is, you know, don't mess with a good thing, but if you want more, we got it. So there's actually two Chicago chains that in like the 1970s were kind of coming out with this vibe. Nancy's Pizza and Giordano's both had versions that were experimenting with deep dish and creating more of a stuffed pizza. Um, So that's actually interesting because this is kind of based on uh, an actual like Italian recipe that is for an Easter pie, which Hmm. Scarchetta, I think is how you say it. I looked it up because I had to look and see what it looked like as well, and I totally could see the vibes. But there's also a lot of different variations of it. So I was like, hmm, because there's some that were like very much like a dessert vibe and going like a totally like sweet direction, which was very different. Yeah. Um, but I also could have just been spelling it. There was like alternate spellings too for some of it, but fascinating. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Pizza Hut introduced a stuffed crust pizza back in 1995. It was marketed in a commercial with none other than Donald Trump. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a hilarious factoid. Yeah. (laughs) Super (laughs) random. (laughs) It's really funny to like, I don't know, look back at old movies or like stuff like that sometimes because they're, he's such like a pop reference back Mm -hmm. then. And like now it just takes on like such a, totally different connotation in my mind yeah he was never meant to be anything more than a joke (laughs) literally like he was just something to laugh at and fodder but now it's like this whole freaking thing but whatever lock him up finally it's happening (laughs) anyways (laughs) uh DiGiorno began offering a cheese stuffed crust pizza in grocery stores in 2001 and in 2012 Pizza Hut launched a hot dog stuffed crust pizza in japan china and south korea 
uh, and later followed that in like Australia, Canada, the UK, and the US. So all over the place. Domino's also sold a hot dog stuffed crust pizza uh, in all of those regions, basically as well. Which that seems like a weird mix to me. But I agree. I can't remember if I remember this. I was like, wasn't sure if it was just implanted in my brain when I read it, or if I actually have a, a vague a memory recall. of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doing um, the most. <laughs> I mean, stuffed crust really had a heyday. Like, that yeah. was, like, a big deal for a little while. And, like, it was all the rage. And there was always, like, this, like, either, like, <laughs> new flavors or, like, different versions. Or then there was, like, the dessert pizzas that had, like, different types around. I was like, all right, you guys yeah. are doing too much. Facts. <laughs> Bless your hearts, though. Always trying to get creative. I respect <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> so, pan pizzas. We kind of mentioned before. It was pizza that's baked in a deep dish pan or sheet pan and um, it's kind of like an italian tomato pie sicilian pizza and that kind of also gave us those chicago styles and detroit styles um usually they're formed obviously in the pan and it kind of gives it that thick style that's pop that was popularized even by pizza hut like theirs is like a pan pizza kind of puffy crust mm. um and actually they started doing that in like the 1960s which i thought was interesting for pizza i was like wow yeah. i didn't realize we even went back that far so the bottoms and sides of the crust become fried and crispy in the oil, as we've said, and that's what's used to coat the pan. So Detroit style is one of, honestly, one of my low-key favorites. But I was going to say the same. I was like, I feel like they don't get enough credit, and yeah. they're a bomb pizza style. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a soft and airy square crust with a really crunchy exterior, caramelized cheese that edges the pan. Um, and that's all due to the deep pans that they use, which are uh, the pizzas are obviously baked inside of. The pans are a thick steel that are more similar to like a cast iron skillet than any sort of like cake pan. Detroit style pizza was created back in 1946 at Buddy's, which was a neighborhood tavern. And uh, the town, the then owner was working with his wife whose mother was Sicilian and brought visionary thinking to his search for a high-sided pizza pan. (laughs) Legend has it that he got his initial batch of pans from a friend who worked in a factory that used the pans for spare parts. Yeah, when I read I read a clickbaity article that was like, "What does the auto industry have to do with Detroit style pizza or something?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, tell me." Yeah, how is it connected? I'd love to know. Well, yeah, that is super interesting, though. I mean, it is <laughs> funny that the auto industry touched literally everything in Detroit, down to the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So the cheese is also interesting. It's topped with Wisconsin brick cheese, which it goes all the way to the edges too. So that's like the other thing because you get those super caramelized, like crunchy bits mm-hmm. on the outside, which are what is the best part about pan pizzas of this style. Yes. Um, the other pizza place that is our like all-time favorite, Pequod's in Chicago, has this exact effect happening for them, and it's fantastic. Yeah, best pizza. I love – their crust is so – good so good it's so good i mean slightly burnt but not burnt just caramelized cheese oh yeah so good you had me so <laughs> yeah yeah i think me. that's exactly. why i partially don't enjoy like true traditional deep dish as much as like a pan pizza is because mm-hmm. you don't get that like caramelized or like browned cheese it's always yeah the really like that's stringy so true cheese, underneath you know? mm-hmm. yeah ninja turtle pulls like yay but yeah not what I'm looking for. Exactly. I want the burnt bubbles and all that stuff. That's yes. so true. Mm-hmm. 
So on the Detroit one, it's usually a mix of mozzarella and Wisconsin brick cheese, which I just love that that's a thing. It's just a great <laughs> phrase, three words strung together. Um, and then it's, it gives you that caramelized edge, which is like frico, which is the word for that. And then there's the crust. The crust is usually double proofed and stretched by hand to the pan corners. And it's usually like one and a half inches thick, buttery mm. and there's a small quantity of oil and the melting properties of the cheese that kind of just like comes together to make this like perfect flavory deliciousness. You're literally saying all the right things. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Then you got the sauce in the toppings. The to- toppings are pressed into the dough of the focaccia before the sauce. The top on top of the cheese is a sweet, thick tomato sauce seasoned with plenty of garlic and spices and often applied in heavy, like parallel bands. If you order the pizza with pepperoni, which is the most common topping because it's delicious, uh, depending on where you are, you might find it like cupped and crisp on the top of the sauce or occasionally buried underneath, which I say is a no-no, uh, mm. where the flavor s- seeps in and penetrates every bite. But let's be real. Pepperoni belongs on the top because it gets crispy and delicious. I do agree. I could see how in this case, because it is a thicker dough, Having it underneath and it kind of like the grease is cooking into the dough. I nope. could see. Nope. I could see why. Preposterous. <laughs> Veto. <laughs> Send it back. Make it on top, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having the, again, the little burnt caramelized edges to the, and like the crispy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I can't so it. good. Like it. when you get a pizza where it is underneath when it's delivered, it's like, oh, so sad. Why didn't we say on top? Also, <laughs> another reason it is a no-no is because you could confuse or distract a vegetarian <laughs> and they could by accident eat quite a bit of pepperoni pizza without knowing there was pepperonis on the pizza. Distract. I am not speaking. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I am just saying it is a danger. How many pizzas with pepperoni do you think you've mistakenly eaten? <laughs> I I don't want to to wonder, you know, because that last one got me good and it was recent. She and ate I like thought, the whole thing before she noticed. It was so funny. <laughs> I was hungry and hungover. These yeah. are two things where I am guaranteed to probably eat meat. Those are it. Hungry, hungover. I'm going to eat whatever you put in front of me, and I will not ask questions until I'm at least seven bites deep and my mind is officially (laughs) satiated and I can think about other things. So I blame the extenuating factors in this equation. (laughs) Also, I used to really like pepperoni, so, like, it tasted good. Yeah. I'm not saying it didn't taste good. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. Definitely hard to, like, pick out, too. You're right. Like, if you can't see it, like – I don't know. Yes. I'm not identifying those flavors necessarily, especially if you and have eaten sauce it. sauce is red. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's very hard pepperoni to tell. Red. It was a very yeah. thin slice of pepperoni, but it was there. <laughs> yeah, now that I know. Yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking closer these days. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I think about the, it's interesting about the Detroit pizza, which I don't know if I've noticed so much, is that they do like the red top where they like literally will put like blotchy spoonfuls of sauce or even like the like racing stripes kind of where it's like just a ladle full that goes down in a horizontal line hmm. uh, which I don't know if I've noticed or had like particularly like uh, that kind of Detroit style pizza but I haven't had Detroit style in a while and I'm totally like gonna seek out yeah. more spots for that more often I can't remember that Detroit style pizza that we went to in Chicago uh, a while Poly back G's? ago yeah maybe that was what it yeah. is 
they had really good pizza good. and they had some wild flavors. I feel like there was one that was like yes. banh mi or something like that. It was it was hell yeah. yeah. There was, was a couple that were like wild that I can't even remember what they were, but they were so good. Yeah, super good <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I don't really recall there being like the sauce like that. So definitely got to give it another shot. Ironically, I think that is what possibly sparked us on the path of this podcast. Yeah, because. At the time, we were entertaining the idea of specifically having a blog or a podcast related specifically to pizza. Yeah. And I took several pictures at that meal with the intention of like posting them or, or sharing them in some sort of capacity. And I wrote down notes from that pizza place somewhere in my phone that oh my I probably gosh. have and I could probably unearth. But yeah, it's... dig those suckers up. That's on the Patreon if you want to <laughs> subscribe. <Yes. laughs> Get the, the first-hand account. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will add that. <laughs> so another super Chicago pizza style. So it's not just deep dish. It's not just pan pizza. We also do have thin crust that is very unique to Chicago, I would say. Uh, thin crust pizza may refer to any pizza baked with an especially thin or flattened dough. And in particular, these types of pizza in the United States are usually like New Haven, Chicago Tavern, Party Cut, uh, or Bar Pizza, many names for it, (laughs) New York style, and also St. Louis pizza. But Bar Pizza is also, like I said, referred to as like Tavern Cut or pizza Chicago style pizza. Also the most common type when we are talking about pizza when I say we're going to get pizza, it's probably a thin crust pizza. 100%. It's probably tavern cut. Yeah. Which is the square. Like, Like, that's what we grew up on. That's like, you know, when we had family pizza night, like, that was our local joint was doing tavern cut square slices, and it was delicious. And that is my favorite kind of pizza, hands down. Like, square cut, thin, I'm here for it. Yeah. But New Haven style pizza is a style of thin crust that's typically coal-fired Neapolitan pizza and obviously common in New Haven, Connecticut. It's kind of locally known as a pizza from Neapolitan origins and typically is thought to believe to have been originated in 1925, back in the day, and Mm -hmm, is now served in many other pizza restaurants in the area. So a plain pizza, that's the New Haven style, is a crust, oregano, tomato sauce, and a little bit of grated pecorino romano cheese. So simple. Pretty plain. Yeah. Simple, yeah. Very simple. Uh, It's a vibe, though. Mm -hmm. It can also be called a tomato pie. (laughs) And if you wanted to add mozzarella, that's like considered a topping. So if you ordered this pizza, it's probably just coming with some grated pecorino romano, and that's it. So be aware. (laughs) The guy that first invented it, his name, his restaurant, Pepe's, is credited with also inventing the white clam pie, which is a pizza crust, olive oil, oregano, grated cheese, chopped garlic, and fresh little neck clam variation. Nope. You had me and then you lost me. No, thank you. I will move along. (laughs) It's probably good if they're fresh clams. You don't like it? Are they just like scooped out of the shelves? And they're just like, what does a clam look like? I'm thinking I'm confusing clams and oysters. Are they clams both the same? Clams are smaller, definitely smaller. Are they still like, gel- like gelatinous muscles. boogers? 
no it's it's cooked it's not raw it's not live like a i don't think no i'm not sure i'm assuming they're cooking them in this though it's not just yeah scooped on there that sounds rubbery then i don't know i don't know i'm not i don't eat shellfish so i'm not the person to comment (laughs) in any capacity but that's a good point yeah no you can miss me with that one for sure (laughs) But uh, these typically would have like a thin oblong crust, characteristic charring, chewy texture, and limited use of melting cheeses. It tends to be drier and thinner than most others, but uh, and and drier than like a traditional New York style would be. But both styles are close descendants of the original Neapolitan pizza. And these would be sold whole rather than by the slice. So got to buy the whole thing. So, coal-fired pizzas are style in the U.S. There's New York-style pizza and New Haven-style pizza that are often cooked in coal-fired pizza ovens, but New York-style is not, like, exclusive to that, I feel like. Uh, The coal-fired ovens do reach temperatures of, like, 900 degrees or 482 degrees Celsius. So, it usually cooks a pizza in, like, two to five minutes super fast. This has been, like, a growing trend, I feel like, that really started popping off more in, like, the 2010s again, which is kind of weird. Um, I have, like, mixed feelings about it, of course, but it was identified as a major market for coal suppliers, most of whom are in Pennsylvania's coal region Mm -hmm. and generally see, like, there was obviously a declining market (laughs) in coal, but then due to this demand, it kind of, like, brought it back up to being like a thing again you know it's like we're going away from coal we're like slowly moving away yeah we were doing so good but no no i need it to make my pizza like that's the dumbest reason to keep the coal industry alive that i've ever heard correct (laughs) especially because i just don't personally see like a huge difference in the taste or the texture or anything like that than like if it was to be wood fired or you know Mm -hmm. any other different type of oven (laughs) any other oven right so to me it just like doesn't seem worth the you know it's been a while since i've i've had a coal-fired pizza i feel like there was a spot out in the suburbs that was doing it for a little while and it was like when i probably tried it but it does have some concerns also because other than particulates in the air and there's also sulfur dioxide and co2 emissions from the coal-fired pizza ovens so even like some health concerns is like probably outweighs the need for for that. Yeah. <laughs> These poor pizza oven workers are just breathing in coal. <laughs> uh, got uh. the black lung. Yeah, sooty. It's sooty, real sooty. <laughs> New York style pizza, another very very common one that I, they're super vocal about their freaking pizza. Uh, they have a characteristically large hand-tossed thin crust, so it's also, like, really common for that to be sold in slices to go. I think that's, like, Mm -hmm. the most New York thing about it, you know? Uh, get a slice, which is, is nice. Mm -hmm. I do, I like that aspect of it. But the crust is thick and crisp, only along the edge, yet soft and thin and pliable enough beneath its toppings to be folded in half to eat. That's the way you got to eat it. And so classic, I feel like that's the New York style. So classic, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why I, that like bothers me. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just clearly a Chicagoan, I think, <laughs> is the, the crux of it. But 
We got a really sad piece of pizza at Costco last time where I was like, I don't know what happened to it, but it was so <laughs> floppy. Oh. Like we couldn't even fold it in half like a taco. We literally folded it in half like the the narrow point onto the backside and just like kind of like rolled it up to eat it. Like it was just like, it was so bad. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that good. Is what yeah, that is what this is reminding me of right now. And yeah, sometimes I don't want to fold my pizza. I just wanted to enjoy a piece of pizza. Legit. It, <laughs> we also ate it in the store while we were walking around. We went to the front, got a piece of pizza, and then took our cart with the piece of pizza hey, into Costco. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And it's probably better to yeah. like not be hungry when you're shopping in Costco anyways. So 100%. I really would have wished it was a more attractive piece of pizza to be just walking with my cart. Eating, but <laughs> it was a very fashionable, but it probably saved you $100 on groceries. So Yeah, that's probably real. That is probably real. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, New York style pizza evolved in the U.S. from the pizza that originated in New York City in the early 1900s, and it obviously really came from that Neapolitan style pizza from Italy. Everything traces back. Yeah, we are a land of immigrants, baby. Mm-hmm. I must say, I only spent 24 hours in New York City, and I did manage to eat a piece of New York pizza on the street like mm. outside of a club folded that baby up and just like walked and ate it so i felt essential experience yeah it was it was an experience <laughs> so the other one of our thin crust styles we haven't hit on yet is st louis style pizza and two things usually come to mind when you're thinking st louis pizza and it's emos and provel yeah. so it has a really thin cracker like crust made without yeast and generally uses Provel cheese, and it is usually cut into squares or rectangles instead of wedges. So there's a chain that was founded by Ed and Margie Emo in St. Louis in 1964, and they are probably the most well-known spot, I feel like. Yeah, they are all over the place in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. and I mean, yeah, I think that's 100% what you think of when you think of pizza here. Um, I am not the biggest fan, which I've said many times, you know, the, the cracker like crust though, that you mentioned is bomb. Mm-hmm. And I do like that yeah. part about it. It crispy. is like crispy and mm, delicious. But mm-hmm. as of November, 2015, <clears throat> Emo's was ranked the 32nd largest pizza chain in the United States. And some say Ed Emo, the founder, it was a tile layer and cut his pizza accordingly, which is hilarious. Others say that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Others say it's a practical measure that seeks to keep the thin crust from cracking under the weight of the toppings. It's pretty crazy that it said they also grossed $93.8 million in 2015. And that's just wild. Yeah. (laughs) To think about how much pizza that is. It's it's awesome. For one chain. Insane. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So we mentioned Provel. If you don't know what Provel is, it You're not alone. Nobody a- knows. It's like literally <laughs> nowhere else other than St. Louis from what I've found. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty true, actually. So it's a trademark for a combination of three different cheeses, which are provolone, Swiss, and a white cheddar. It's actually a processed cheese. So it's actually a food product that's made from cheese. So think of like Velveeta. Mm, another reason not to like not it, see? exactly <laughs> cheese. Yikes. Provel cheese was developed by the St. Louis firm Costa Grocery in the 1950s and is made 
in Wisconsin primarily for the St. Louis market. Which how weird is that? It's literally not even made mm-hmm. in St. Louis. <laughs> but, but it's, it's a made St. Louis in Wisconsin. Staple. That's the most that's the most cheesy place there is, pretty much. True. Come on. But I, Wisconsin, I, I, you I trust swear them. I feel like I've never even seen it in Wisconsin though. No, they ship it out. They ship it out of there. Yeah, it's for, all it's being for you. exported to St. <laughs> Louis. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's slightly strange. <laughs> so it's definitely not widely available outside of the St. Louis area, but it does exist. So <laughs> it has a really low melting point and has, therefore, a super gooey, buttery texture, even at room temperature. And it was developed, supposedly also, to meet the perceived demand for a cheese with a clean bite. So one that melts well, but breaks off nicely when the diner bites down. So very anti this like classic Ninja Turtle cheese pull. They think people don't want that. So they're like, here is Prevel. <laughs> the thing that everyone has loved since the dawn of time, we're going to change. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one rumor for the name origin is that Provel comes from the name Provolone, removing the own and is made up <laughs> of more than one type of cheese. Uh, although another calls it a uh, poor man too of provolone and mozzarella Which i'm like barely portmanteau. portmanteau i think that's how you say it i don't think that's like probably it that seems like a stretch to me i guess yeah. i think it's kind of funny that if you remove one from provolone because it's made up of more than one cheese i kind of like that that's kind of funny to me that's like kind of <laughs> clever <laughs> no i think so so little things i guess yeah yeah so supposedly the sauce is often seasoned with more oregano than other pizza types, which I'm like trying to think if that's true. It's been a while since I've had one. Now I'm like, I got to retry all these pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> so despite its super thin crust, it can be layered with many different toppings because of that sturdiness of the crackiness. Mm. So honestly, I feel like you had one that had literally toasted raviolis on it, and oh. that was the best one I've ever seen. So, so. freaking good that was the ultimate uh like yeah st louis pizza i think i could have probably had (laughs) Uh, yeah because toasted raviolis are also very st louis but heck yeah yeah incredible pizza hut the edge (laughs) was first released in 1997 as a tavern style pizza and is surprisingly back as a limited time offering the thin crust pizza was introduced it, like I said, in the 1990s and uses Pizza Hut's original thin and crispy dough recipe and follow and features toppings all the way to the edge of the pie with no crust bordering the pizza. The Edge use, <laughs> uses a sweetened tomato sauce and a proprietary garlic and herb seasoning that's only used on this pizza. And the pie itself is cut into 16 rectangular cracker thin pieces meant for sharing. I'm honestly interested. I think it's- <laughs> I know. I think it's hilarious that even like these like chain pizza places try to replicate like what other pizza places are doing and finding success with, and are like, "Oh, we've got that. We've got one of those." Like, ah. yeah, seriously. <laughs> Especially because I like so. I feel like so many people almost don't consider those chains like pizza. pizza. You know? Yeah. Correct. That's <laughs> no, okay. Like part of the pizza experience is like it's a local neighborhood joint to some degree um Mm -hmm. and the the commercialization i think of that like almost strips the authenticity in some way but yeah funny to each his own so it's all good in a pinch you know (laughs) that's true that's true 
So West Coast pizza is something we don't talk enough about because we don't eat it very often. No. They have a pizza. <laughs> it all comes down to the fact that they're far less traditional than East Coast pizza. And they just don't focus on like having that consistency. It's more about having mm. like a variety of different toppings and unique creations, which yay for creativity. Totally fine. Not usually what I'm looking for when I'm looking for pizza, yeah. but I love a good, a good like mix up, mash up, weird new fucking variety. So I'm not going to say I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Their crusts usually are on the thinner side, but it's usually not as chewy as like the East Coast style pizza crust. So I feel like it's also because you're, as you get further away from that sort of side of America, like th- those immigrants came through New York, like came through the East Coast primarily to get to all the yeah. way to the West, you know? So it's like the concentration of the history is is on the East Coast. So I understand why we kind of got a little wonkier as we made it across the country. Yeah. I'd love to see Italians by the numbers in the West Coast because I feel like they're probably so much smaller you know that's a good that's an interesting factoid i wonder yeah because i read an article too that was like clearly a west coast person i was trying to like stand up for their pizza which i respect but they kind of said like like pizza on the east coast pizza and bagels on the east coast is what like tacos and like sushi is or something on the west coast yeah, or something 100 like, it's like they're they I was going to say different... Latin and Asian is what I think of on the West Coast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're looking at different, yeah, different demographics and different influences here. That's why we're getting different mashups and different flavors and different ideas. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. It tracks. <laughs> <laughs> the big difference with West Coast pizza, too, is that it has totally different like sauce and toppings. So West Coast style pizza doesn't always have marinara sauce as a base. It can have a variety of different sauces like barbecue, Alfredo, pesto, maybe even something like exotic, like a spicy chipotle sauce. Heck yeah. So toppings are usually also inspired by like California cuisine, like lobster, avocado, goat cheese. So (laughs) they don't always come with mozzarella. (laughs) Exactly. It's a different vibe. (laughs) So it's also harder to find good quality ingredients like mozzarella on the West Coast sometimes than the East Coast. Like there's all these like more traditional methods of of certain things that you're just going to get like different different quality of things. So mm. when it comes to West Coast pizza, you can really put anything on it. The slices are usually smaller than East Coast pizza and they often even come in like personal size servings. So And I feel like you can't talk West Coast pizza without talking California Pizza Kitchen, little CPK <laughs> action. Uh, it's widely known for its innovative and non-traditional pizzas, like the original barbecue chicken pizza, which is fuego still to this day, like my favorite thing from yeah. CPK. And like the mm-hmm. even the freezer version of it still holds up so good. Uh, Dude, their Thai chicken one. Oh, when yeah. I used to eat chicken, that was like my one of my go-tos. I've made a, I think we we made like a version that was vegetarian not that long ago and really? it was still bomb. Yeah, Ooh. totally. We did like a sriracha, like peanut butter, like sauce base kind of thing. It was it was good. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. They also have really good like Jamaican jerk pizzas. So yeah, they're on yeah. point with their flavors for yeah. sure. I remember that one being pretty spicy, if I recall too. I was like, oh damn, yeah, I think it was. had some kick. Had a heater. Yeah, <laughs> you can't have a weak Jamaican jerk pizza. <laughs> like get out of town. 
the whitest thing you've ever seen. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a white ass brand. So like, I would not be surprised. That's so true. (laughs) But it was founded in, (laughs) to add to the whiteness, Beverly Hills, California in 1985 by two lawyers. And due to the concept of California pizza kitchen, it was taking off thanks to the LA hotspot Spago by Wolfgang Wolfgang Puck which was doling out gourmet pizzas along with a lot of other things to the rich and the famous. Mm-hmm. So taking that concept, he, they ran with it for the pizza for the everyday man. <laughs> and they quickly grew to operate over 250 locations across 30 states and 11 countries, which I also did not realize that barbecue chicken pizza was literally created here in 1985 by the famous pizza chef, Ed Ledoux, for for CPK for their menu and he was literally one of the chefs I think that came from Wolfgang Puck's Spago rest that mm-hmm. restaurant in LA he literally came from there invented this pizza for CPK and it just like blew up I had no idea yeah I I definitely would not have thought that they were the inventors of that pizza I thought it was wrong when I read it and I fact-checked it I was like Mm-mm, this is a lie someone else came up with this and I was like oh snap okay all right <laughs> of course there's other people that that tried to like sue and claim that it was a uh, there's been there was some debate yeah. but like I'm pretty sure they still were they still claim it it's definitely a hard thing to like stake your claim on i don't know how anyone can like i don't know argue Mm -hmm. that they're the original but good for them (laughs) sad news though in july 2020 cpk did have to file for bankruptcy due to covid but supposedly they are on the rebound and they're also like we said available in a lot of grocery stores with their frozen pizzas so yep it's probably helping keeping them afloat. I feel like they probably yeah. push some pandemic money that way. They're like, oh, God, get some more stuff yeah, in the Yeah, put freezes. them in more grocery stores. <laughs> Heck, yeah. I feel like another, like, West Coast pizza that comes to mind is Hawaiian, which, ironically, was not even created <laughs> in the U.S. It was literally made in Canada in 1962 by a Greek immigrant, <laughs> which just blows my mind. But if you've had it, it's... It's pretty good. It's definitely very different. It's interesting to have like a sweet. I mean, I like pineapple. It's a little strange. I don't know. It's usually a yeah. mix of tomato sauce and cheese, along with either ham or bacon. And now some restaurants use barbecue sauce. And nowadays people are like mixing in like pulled pork with the pineapple, which I feel like sounds like a more elevated direction to okay. go in, which I, I feel yeah. like I could be more about. But I also agree that like the barbecue sauce vibe is totally the way to go i've had it with the tomato sauce before and it's just it's a little it's a little weird yeah but no, it's not, that's not my bad yeah it's just a little weird oddly hawaiian was the most popular pizza in australia in 1999 which accounted for 15 percent of pizza sales i read somewhere which i hope <laughs> is true again because that is absurd <laughs> most popular what <laughs> yeah that's a bold statement oh. i don't know <laughs> Yeah. Also, how's only fifteen percent of pizza sales? But that's the most popular. That's what other kind of pizzas they got? They just got wild varieties, so (laughs) there's nothing to pin down. Yeah, they got too many. Also, in 1999, people were just like, "Wow, this pizza's great." (laughs) There's pineapple on this one. (laughs) There's a special commercial that made it surge. Like, I have, I've got more questions than answers with this. Probably. So, speaking of, like, most popular pizza, in the U.S., pepperoni does reign supreme. Uh, An article in the NY Times said that it's a purely an 
Italian American creation like chicken parmesan. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> Italian by any means. <laughs> in fact, the word pepperoni in Italian refers to large bell peppers and not cured salami what? at all. Are you serious? Yeah, that's we, not a thing. Though. We invented pepperoni. That's not even. Yes, that's we did. <laughs> People have been drying and smoking meats for centuries, even long before the era of the Roman Empire. Still, it was the ancient Romans who pioneered the curing process, which was using salt and other spices as curing agents to keep meat fresh for long periods of time. This allowed them to stockpile meat instead of having to rely upon what they could catch every single day. Crazy. So this preservation method led to the creation of sausage, including some spicy sausages that were bright red in color. So sausage became a staple food across much of Europe and eventually made its way into the American diet as well. And pepperoni was an attempt to emulate Italian sausage and salami using ingredients available in the States. So the dry aired spicy salami known as pepperoni first appeared in Italian American markets following World War I, but didn't make its debut as a pizza topping until actually much later. Annually, our love for pepperoni pizza accounts for around 252 million pounds of pepperoni consumed. That's more than 340 tons each day. That seems insane. <laughs> Isn't that a little wild and mind-boggling? Like, <laughs> I do love wow. me some pepperoni, but goddamn, 340 tons a day? <laughs> they do make vegan pepperonis now, and I have had those again not too long ago and pretty good yeah not gonna lie i was like all right yeah i did i did kind of miss it because that was definitely my go-to topping in the past so pepperoni begins life as ground pork and beef mixed with spices like garlic pepper fennel and mustard seed and then pepperoni makers add salt often often sodium nitrate to the meat spice combination to cure it and then seal and refrigerate it After a few days, they stuff the mixture into casings, usually like hog casings. Uh, Once the cured meat is in its casings, they would tie it off and form a rope of links. They then refrigerate the links for around 12 hours to solidify the shape, and then they hang the links to dry, usually in a smoke chamber to preserve them further and add extra smoky goodness for a few weeks. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So a few fun facts. Excluding cheese, pepperoni is by far the most popular pizza topping in the United States, and National Pepperoni Day is September 20th. Mark your calendars. (laughs) In 1994, a pepperoni and mushroom pizza became the first one of the first things ordered on the internet, which I think is so cool. What? Yeah, isn't that insane? (laughs) Get powers of the internet. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I want. I want a pizza. (laughs) 100%. Of course. Pepperoni pizza is also the most popular frozen pizza variety. Around 36% of people add pepperoni to their pizza orders. Not surprising. And pepperoni typically gets its bright red color from paprika. Who knew? The one thing about this episode we didn't touch on, but it could have come up, was (laughs) the debate of, of stuffed pizzas versus calzones and also stromboli. Because these things, in my mind, are not fully pizza. The stromboli is the one that's like a rectangle calzone, kind of, right? It's like, it's like a rolled up kind of, yeah. right? Rolled, rolled up, up. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, rolled up. Yeah, that seems like what it is. Yeah. Um, I would argue they are pizza flavored, but they are not pizza. 
They are pizza adjacent. Yeah. And if you want to know more about them, let us know. We'll do a small bites for you. <laughs> well, this has obviously been an incredibly long episode. So if you made it to the end, congrats. And if you haven't ordered a pizza or eaten a pizza yet, you're probably going to tonight. Oh, so yeah. we've subliminally like passed that into your brain at this point, And there's no escaping yeah. it. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's accurate. That's very accurate. Uh, the other great thing you can do is make a pizza at home from scratch. It's not that hard to make your own dough. You could even buy a store-bought dough if you don't want to do the dough part. But honestly, try it. Do it. Yeah. So good. You can make a poor man's pizza with some bread or naan. Oh, a bagel? Pizza bagel? Yeah, pizza. Man, mm. bagel bites are forever and always still like my favorite thing. And yeah, yeah a pizza bagel is choice. But uh, mm-hmm. here's a fun thing for you. So I saw... I think it was a TikTok or something <laughs> recently that was literally like they took a piece of white bread and then they put like mm. tomato sauce or more more so like tomato paste so it was like thicker and then mm. like a little slice of like pepperoni little slice and then some shredded cheese on it and they uh, cut the bread with like a cheese grater so that it was like sealed like an uncrustable wow. and then they put it in the toaster. Oh yeah. So there's oh, yeah. how you get your toaster action without fucking up oh, your toaster yeah. like you always want to do. Because <laughs> this woman is dangerous with a toaster and just puts pizza in there willy-nilly and thinks she can flip it on its side like it ain't no thing. So hey, this is your solution. <laughs> it's worked for me before, it'll work for me again. <laughs> uh, well, cheers to getting your pizza on, people. Yeah. Cheese sauce and that dough. That's all it takes to make heaven, baby. Mm-hmm.